Hey, welcome to No Guitar Is Safe, the guitar show with the guitar copter. My name is Jude Gold. This is episode 26. Man, we have a, a great show today with a um, fantastic young guitar player. His name is Mark. I'm going to introduce him this way with a question. The question is this. What is the biggest compliment you could pay another guitar player? Well, I suppose like if, you know, if you see that person play and afterwards you're like, wow, that was amazing. That was incredible. Loved it. That's a nice compliment. I think even nicer compliment than that is, wow, dude, you're amazing. Can I hire you for a session? Or, or wow, you were amazing. Can I get you for a guitar lesson sometime? Can you just show me some of that stuff you were doing? That's pretty huge. But I think even bigger than those two compliments is if you see this person play and then the next day you go to your local music store and you buy a piece of gear that they were using because they sounded that good. That's a nice compliment <laughs> because you want to get that sound. And with that little topic in mind, I got to say, when I saw Mark Letiri plug in, what I mean is when he came to the conference room at the NAMM show where we did this interview a couple months ago, and the reason we delayed it is because his album is coming out within mere days, May 20th. It's called Spark and Echo, his new record. Great shit on this album. Anyway, to wrap up that topic, yeah, the second he plugged in, he sounded so great. His distorted tone was wonderful. He was playing through my Mesa Boogie amp that I had brought and set up in the room. It's like a 2x12 Royal Atlantic head and cabinet situation set really clean. EL34 is running as clean as a Fender Twin on like two. He's getting this really wonderful, cushy, forgiving, just articulate, sparkly distortion. In fact, you're going to hear like... I usually don't really include the part where I'm kind of getting levels, but the stuff he was doing while I was setting up the mic and kind of making sure the levels were great was so wonderful that I, I left it all in at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Long story short, I liked the way he sounded so much that when I saw that pedal in the music store, I bought it. It's mine. I had to have it. That's my big compliment to Mark Letiri. Man, I'm a fan. And before I forget, you'll hear about it, but the name of the pedal is The Dude from J Rocket Audio Designs. The Dude, like Big Lebowski. The other thing, of course, about Mark is that he plays in one of the most popular up-and-coming like prog jazz bands, if there is such a thing, or whatever you want to call it, prog fusion. Snarky Puppy. That's some of the solo for you. It's a pretty elaborate, like, epic tune that Mark wrote on the new record from Snarky Puppy. The record's called Culture Vulture. That's the bonus track called Hefe. And just a band. It's like a, it's like a collective or a gang. This is a posse. Snarky Puppy is a posse. And I've always kind of wondered how they kind of work it course mark is going to explain all that to you we go into a lot of stuff touching on different styles of music he gets so many tones out of this little cutting board that he has his pedals mounted to it fits in the suitcase as you're going to hear sorry if there's a little air conditioning noise in the background but i don't know we just wanted to keep the room cool man this is real this isn't a sterile show done in a studio man we're, we're helicoptering into places 
We dropped that ladder, you know, we climbed down that shit. <laughs> uh, of course, another thing I wanted to mention is that this was done at the NAMM show, like I said, and uh, it's coming out now because Mark's album is coming out right now. And if you go to our Facebook page, No Guitar Is Safe, I'll show you some of his videos and, and links to different things that he's doing. One other little thing I wanted to mention is that you are going to hear a Prince mention. Of course, we, we talk about Prince a little bit. It turns out to be a, one of Mark Letiri's huge influences. Of course, neither one of us had any idea that Prince's days among us were so numbered. But we certainly pay him a nice respect, as it turns out anyway, as you're going to hear. We even paid Bowie respect, too, although he was already gone. Wow, what a year. Make it stop. Well, all right, let's get this started. But hey, before we do, let's just listen to one more sneak peek of Mark Letiri's new solo album. Again, the album is called Spark and Echo. Officially comes out May 20th. I love this stuff. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's hop in the copter, head down to Anaheim, and plug in with Mark Letiri. I like that one. It sounds like a farm animal. Steve Lukather meets Mike Landau meets, uh, well, I don't know. It's become a crutch, but... You know what this is? It's a cutting board from, uh, I think from Target or Walmart. And because I needed something that fit in my little suitcase, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, I talked to my wife. I was like, uh, sorry, but I took one of the cutting boards and put my pedals on it. And she was, she was like, all right, well, go to Target and buy another one because. <laughs> but it works, dude. It's light and it sticks. And I did this kind of haphazard wiring job, but. It does everything I need it to do and nothing I don't, I think. Tell me about that, that drive sound you got there. It's really warm. It's yeah. thick, but it's not harsher. This is the new Dude Overdrive by J Rocket Audio Designs, otherwise known as uh, Rocket Pedals. And it's uh, based around a Dumble Overdrive special sound, which I personally have never played a Dumble Overdrive special. Uh, but apparently they exist in a mythical land with unicorns and things like that. But this uh, is one of the most awesomest sounding overdrives I've ever heard. Uh, as to how it replicates a Dumble, the guys say that it does. I trust them. For me personally, I don't care what it replicates because it sounds really great. So, Let's hear a little more of it. Sure. It does chords. It likes chords. <laughs> Boom. 
But it's it's good enough for complicated. Well, not complicated, but complex. You know. It handles chords nice. Especially if you, if you want to get with those big voicings, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's about half gain. And I've got quite a, f a bit of the bass involved in the pedal, too, EQ-wise. Yeah, it's, it rules, dude. And it's, it's yeah, you know, it's like the size of a smaller than a pack of cigarettes, I think. Yeah, Not totally. that I would know I don't smoke, but... <laughs> play a groove or something, you rock out on that pedal for a second. Okay, what do you want to play? Shit. Come what up do something. you want to play? <laughs> um, yeah, you said a groove. How yeah. about E? Everyone likes E. I'll play a thing. this one keep going three four. i love that i was gonna ask Isn't you about that, cool? that that's which there's a solo like on one of the snarky yeah tunes. um what? We, on this tune we did called the clearing with the metropole yeah. orchestra yeah uh, it's the growler effect on the uh, the Line Six M series, and it's like just a thing I stumbled upon one day, and I was just like, "What? Yeah, this rules!" <laughs> and so, and for like about a tour and a half, I used it all the time, and then I was just like, "Oh man, I should probably take a break from this." But now I'm kind of back into it again. Oh yeah, it gets addictive. Is that just the stock patch how it came, pretty much? Or yeah, I, I mean, you can noodle with the settings. I mean, it'll do this kind of funny like hip hop thing where you go like. <laughs> That's cool. You know, or I guess it's like it hip hop or something, but kind of has no attack, right? Or <laughs> yeah, you can blend in the. Let's see. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's like fire keyboard player if you want. <laughs> it's uh, awesome. Yeah, Osnoy uses those. Does he? Yeah, I yeah, would he imagine could, this would be something. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, not, not necessarily that patch, but the M9 something Line like Six that. that you're using there that has all those different yeah. effects on it. 
So it's yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's very cool, but it's really easy to get carried away with it and like use it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> addictive. That's cool that you're getting a lot of mileage out of the little cutting board pedal board. Man, there. you know we've been doing so many dates where we just haven't been able to bring yeah. you know the full pedal boards and like our own backline and stuff. So it's like yeah. fly in, fly out put a couple of pairs of underpants in the <laughs> in the little carry-on and put it under the seat in the plane, and then there you go. That's the way to go, yeah. man. So it's working out. You seem like a pretty young cat, man. How young are you? Young enough. 31. Yeah, yeah. man. Puppy. That's yeah. Awesome. Exactly. You put the puppy in the snark. I hope so. We're all, we're, <laughs> we, we span from 20, mid to late 20s to 40-ish. Because there's a lot of us, you know. Is it a band? Is it a collective? How many people? Is it five members? Is it it's 50 members? All of those answers are kind of correct. It's like we have a roster of maybe, oh, heck, 15 or 16. It's growing because we've got a few guys on each instrument, uh, yeah. you know, and, the, and the, it kind of happened that way because our band leader, Michael, was booking so many gigs. Like he just loves to play gigs and, and eventually guys can't do everything. And so we'd get a sub and, and people would like the sub and they would really interpret the music beautifully. And that's like, cool, man, you're in the band. That's right. how I got the gig. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, eight, eight or so years ago, they had a couple of shows and Bob and Chris, the other two players, weren't available. And so I had to learn like 13 or 14 songs in like two days and then go yeah. play Mardi Gras, you know. And then, you know, so then, yeah, yeah now I'm in the band. So you're kind of one of the primary core guys you do a lot of the dates yeah or? yeah the three guitar players i mean it's just us three that, that right. share all the dates we do all the records together and then we we split up the tours um either one of us at a time or we'll do two guitar players sometimes so there's something like really cool and like kind of like a collective about this yeah right like it's like a society or something it's a family yeah in a, a way family. you know i mean it, it michael started it and he, he was kind of he still is pretty much the, the primary songwriter and composer but uh but it's cool because it's he, it's open to anyone who wants to write a tune arrange a tune you know um and when we go and do these records uh the arrangements really become something that the band puts together so so that's how we are able to sound like a band even though yeah. there's so many of us you know so where are you guys all based out of nowadays well I, the majority of the guys are in brooklyn um i'm in fort worth texas uh sean martin our keyboardist and robert seawright our one of our drummers are in dallas uh, nearby chris the guitar player is in austin so kind of Texas, kind of New York. One of our drummers, Larnell Lewis, is in Toronto. And right. one of our sax players, uh, Bob Reynolds, is in L.A. So spread out. We started in Texas, though. Did you all meet at the same university, or are you... Almost. The, yeah, most of the guys went to the University of North Texas. Um, I met them after we were all out of school. I went to TCU, Texas Christian, go Frogs. Frogs. We had a pretty awesome year in football. I want to see the Frogs play the Slugs, which is Santa Cruz's team. Ooh, they even have a football team? <laughs> I don't think they have a football they have team. Like a surfing their, team. Their mascot though. is the the, the slug. Slugs. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Because if you walk around a wooded path there, you're going to see. I remember. Well, we used to. I remember going to like church camp in the Santa, in the Santa Cruz mountain area, and like yeah. you'd, you'd be like, who can kiss a banana slug? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you win for that? I don't Nothing. <laughs> People just look at you funny, you know. That's amazing. So, uh, what first put a guitar in your hands? Man, well, my dad plays a little bit, and so there was always uh, a guitar in the house. You know, my first memories of guitar were him playing, like, you know, Crosby, Stills songs and Beach Boys songs and singing and stuff like that. And so, um, I uh, I remember one day, I think I was like eleven or twelve, just started noodling on it. He would kind of let me play it, even if I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to play it. I was just to make noise and 
And one day, I guess I was making too much noise, and he said, do you, like, want lessons or something? Which yeah. is his way of saying, like, please put this down. <laughs> or, like, if I have to hear this for the next few years, I want it to improve. Exactly. I want it to improve. So, so that's what we did. So I started taking lessons uh, from a friend's mom, actually, because my mom was teaching him art lessons. So it was like, mom, teach, swap thing. Nice. <laughs> so, so that was it, man. I started, you know, grew up on grunge rock and, and, and you know, classic rock and stuff like that. And then... Uh, Where did you grow up? Menlo Park, California, man. Yeah, there you go. Bay Area, I, dude. I got family there. Yeah. Um, but in high school was when I, I really got serious about it. I had a great teacher, Gordon Kahn, who was a student of Joe Satriani's in the 80s, when Joe Satriani was like the it guitar teacher in Berkeley. Yeah, I and was there. So, did you, well, did you know him from back then? Or yeah, like, I went to Berkeley High School, man. Oh Everybody gosh. took from him. I took one lesson from him, and it was amazing. And yeah. we played blues, and he's a wonderful guy, and we're friends and sure. everything. But I was taken from Tuck Andress, from Tuck Whoa. and Patty. Yeah. So, Dang. you know, it was just hard to, hard to do everything all at once when you're 16 years old. Yeah. But I had Tuck teaching. Wow. And, uh, but there were some great players that were... They were all... They'd come back from this little shop on the corner of Rose and Cedar... Or anyway, Martin was King. it Real Guitars? What was the name of the guitar store? I kind of forget. Real Guitars is probably the one in San Francisco. Oh, okay, secondhand guitars or something. That sounds right. I've, I've, but yeah. um, they'd come back playing these amazing, beautiful modal things and this legato, and it was hypnotic. Like I heard Joe through all these players before wow. I ever heard him myself. Jeez. So anyway, so this you you were studying with. So I was studying with Gordon, yeah, who took with Joe when Gordon was fourteen or so. So he might. He, you may even probably know him. No, I don't um, think I do. But uh, maybe I should. But he would teach. You know, so that's how I learned theory and modes and legato and and this exercise. I remember uh, the uh, the. Uh, hold on. Uh. <laughs> you know where it goes through all twelve yeah. keys and then you have to try and solo over it, which I could never do. That's <laughs> a little brutal. But uh, yeah, so. That was a really good experience. That was like four years of, of doing that, and he would come every week. And um, that's when I think I realized that maybe I wanted to be a guitar player. I didn't know how to make a living doing it, obviously, right. but um, yeah, it was a real passion. Yeah, it was obvious by that point. You know, uh, I love the way this. It you know, it's a Fender Strat style. And, yeah, but it's got a really nice sparkly sound. Thanks, man. What's the company? This is a Grosh, a Don Grosh. Uh, they're in Colorado. And uh, they make some really, really beautiful high-end um, guitars. They have, uh, they have a Strat style and a Tele style, and they have a few of their own body styles. Um, I think, like, Mark Knopfler might be playing one or something, or Steve Miller or somebody like that. Um, I got turned on him through a, a gospel guitar player friend of mine, Eric Walls, is playing one. He, he sounds insane. So I was like, How do, what is that? And he was like, is he it's playing that, in that cool Guitar Summit video? Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> I know. He's playing that guitar? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the guy. So... So thank you, thank you, Eric. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, it's it's super balanced, and these are Don's pickups too that he wires himself. It's, I guess, it's an ash swamp ash body with a maple neck, and it's nice and light. But I wanted something that kind of does everything, so he put this blend knob in here, so I can sort of like fake a telly sound. Yeah, yeah, you got the neck can, in the middle going on, or it's just I the neck, neck pickup in the, the humbucker. Yeah, because it'll do it'll do the Prince thing. Thank you. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> Wait, do that again? Oh, jeez, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm actually cheating. I'm doing a hammer do on. I'm going... I think Dang. the second note's that's hammered. You're, you're doing... That's well, more difficult. Were, I thought you were doing that. No, I can't do that shit, man. Well, I can't either. <laughs> Something like... I don't know. Whoa. Second note hammered. Huh? Well, see, it sounds goofball when I do it. I'll stick to my way, which yeah, is yeah, not dude, really it working legit. either. <laughs> Your way sounds legit, but, that's, but that's, uh, I like that. I like that. That's... This is my... Probably my favorite sound in all of electric guitar. Just this right here. Yeah. I could listen to that all day long. So I had I to have a guitar that did that convincingly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, shit. I was talking to Nile Rogers and he, you know. Yeah. I've mentioned this before, but he, yeah, he just says, you know, in the old days, the guitar had, that was the role. You're kind of like a second hi-hat. Totally, dude. Hi-hat with harmony. Yeah. But now, you know, a lot of pop music, there's a. Other stuff. People just, they uh, put it, they use, you know, they sequence sounds. Yes. In there to that's true. fill that role. But the guitar is alive and well, though. That's right. I mean, you know, who could forget? Uh, uh. What's the next voice? Wait, wait, what key is that? Say, start again. Is it B flat or A flat? Uh, well, B flat. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a B flat. Oh, yeah, okay, I got you. Two, One, two, <laughs> one, two, three, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Song Fucking rules. David Bowie and Al Rod. That was a good combination that right there. That was winning. That was a winning combo. Yeah, so now, did you grow up playing in church or anything? I see you, got, um, you play some great gospel artists and yeah. it well, seems to come Well, a up. little bit, yeah. I, I did grow up playing in church. I did not grow up playing in a gospel church. Um funny though because a lot of the musicians I played with at my church in California ended up going on to play gospel music and that's kind of where I got hip to it because I would be in touch with them while I was in college and they're like yo dude you need to start playing gospel music and I was like okay so I joined the gospel choir at TCU as a guitarist in an attempt to find a drummer because (laughs) I had learned I was like okay well Everyone was telling me the gospel drummers had a serious thing happening. So I said, okay. So I went to the choir and they had a great drummer. So I went in the band for a while at this choir was just guitar and drums, <laughs> which, really? which, you know, sort of a crash course for me because I was totally new at the harmony of gospel, but somehow I was having to carry this whole choir. Um, what would you play? You play like, Oh my gosh, I probably can't even, we did a lot of like Kirk Franklin stuff, which I'll, I probably can't even remember how to play, but, um, and then, you know, but slowly through that, I started meeting more local gospel musicians in Texas. And Texas has an insane gospel scene, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of where it started. And then I actually kind of started studying gospel guitar a little bit. Guys like yeah. Eric and, and Jonathan DuBose and Jairus Mose. And, uh, what were some of the things you learned? Like, what did, what did you pick up for after you started studying gospel guitar? Well, I, I got into, like, kind of the harmony stuff, which is, in a way, kind of kind of jazzy, sort of. But it's it's also kind of like organ based. So if we're in the key of D, like you might have a turnaround that goes like like a right. you know the two three four five thing. Uh, or a solo. Yeah. 
sort of voicings yeah. like that a little bit. Beautiful. minor four of course you know Love it. so yeah that's a very modern gospel lick that i probably took from youtube <laughs> yeah i love that stuff uh, i mean and there's two kinds of people two kinds of guitarists guitarists who love gospel funk and whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and guitarists who just haven't yet checked it out i, th- I totally agree with you <laughs> once you discover that shit dude and it's becoming a thing and i'm really glad because i i got into it and then i was like there is a whole undiscovered and i don't know why it's yeah. undiscovered i don't know but thankfully for you know now we have social media and now it's becoming this thing and everybody wants to do it i think it's great i think it's like the new thing in modern playing really i do um, yeah, I think so too. Definitely, a, definitely one of the new things. I mean, right. maybe not the only thing, but well, people don't realize that some of the biggest riffs are like you know, like if you like that kind of like almost like Led Zeppelin in terms of a big single note line and then big holes in it where drums come through and sure. sound like bottom, but it's, it's funky. Yeah, and lots of harmony and yeah. key changes and oh, it's a very intense genre. Any s- single note stuff that you would play or like you know lines. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, uh, uh, let's see. What key shall we be in? How about E? Uh. Uh. So a lot of times it would outline like a, you know, uh. So you have that would be your chord progression. And then somebody would play that over the top of it, you know. So the organ player would be like, and then maybe you would, ah, whoops. Well, sort of a bastardized version of it, but you get the idea. That sounds nice. That's great, exactly. Yeah. Um, It's funny, man, like doing live gospel gigs, I find myself going between it's a lot of pedal stomping, actually, because there'll be a part where you have to play something kind of lush and then immediately play a line with overdrive, but you don't want it to be too lush, so then you have to turn off the reverb and the things. And, you right. Know, so. You need to get one of those switchers? I do. Maybe you that's know, the there's problem. There's so many of them now. I was just over at Boss. They, last year, they had a larger one. Now they have a slightly smaller one, which is five buttons, but you know, really? you can... It's like a bypass thing. Yeah, so you can say on this button, I want these five pedals on, or this button, I only want these two. So you can switch all your different pedals by this controller. You know, the the industry is, in a cool way, is bringing these super pro stuff that you, usually, you used to have to get from a Bradshaw or sure, somebody. Sure, and it come now, in a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, they're making this kind of stuff available to the modern players who want them. Like, Boss is bringing this TV. That, to I have it come from that Boss, out. that's really cool. You know yeah. it's going to be like dependable and sure. programmable and, but anyway yeah cool that is cool i love that when those those distorted lines kick in like mm-hmm. yeah know. it's very anthemic exactly i always I, you know what i feel like if neil sean was born in a different time he would be a gospel guitar player i think you're absolutely because right. his, yeah. his you know that kind of like lyrical i hear a lot of that in in gospel lead players may i don't know if they've listened to him or not but to me there's a connection there and even some of their, their tunes have some harmony that's kind of, yeah. you know, I love Journey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially you get some of that classic stuff where yeah. it's just a little bit fusiony, but it's really just like some yeah. rich chords. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Ready for the solo? Nope. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, you could you do it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a verse changes already. Oh, yeah. What is it? Four chord? Wait, oh, no, no, yeah, six, right. six chord. G. I'm failing. Are we playing an E? Because the song is in D. D. Yeah. That's why I'm screwing it up. Okay. So the, 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 uh, the yeah, solo so is like... Yeah. Go for it. All right. Three, four... So good. Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> it's totally like a gospel groove. A yeah, slow I mean three, four, or six, eight, whatever. Yeah, there's a. Uh... This is I, I, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's beautiful. Uh, oh, what's the name of the song? Ah, oh, shoot. And there's a big like lead guitar yeah. thing. Whoever's listening to this to, to this podcast is going to know the name of the song, and they're going to oh, hopefully yeah, you can, explain to us. What kind of amps are you running nowadays? I have a few. So, so when Snarky's on tour, uh, we usually use a Supro of sorts. They've been real good to us, helping us out with that. Um, I have two great boutique things at home: um, a Pure sixty four, which is a very small builder up in upstate New York, and he just makes these really fantastic six L six based, big fat clean, loves pedals. Um, it's great with my trio because it just sounds really huge. It's a very wide sound. Um, and then I have a Naylor Dual 60, which I really like, uh, which is sort of more, it's 6L6, but it's, it's much more throatier than a Fender kind of thing. It has a Marshall sort of thing happening. That's great. Um, and I got it in purple because that's the color of TCU. Cool. So. Is that Joe Naylor from Naylor Guitars? Uh, Reverend. Reverend. I'm sorry. Reverend yeah, Reverend. it is. Yeah. I think so. And now they're in conveniently for me. Naylor is now in Dallas. Uh, he sold the company, I think, to a guy named Dave King, and so he's in Dallas now. So that's where they build them. So I can just drive down the street. Sweet. Yeah. Now, you do a lot of sessions. Like, I mean, I think you've played on some like Eminem and. Yeah. So funny. Actually, I will tell you that story. Um, I work with a producer in Dallas named S1, and he's done a whole bunch of. He's done Beyonce and Kanye West and all these great artists. Any. We played on a track, and at the time, I didn't really know who it was for. And then afterwards, he was like, hey, man, remember that track we played on? I was like, yeah, you know. He's like, yeah, well, it's got 50 Cent, Eminem, and Adam Levine on it. <laughs> I was like, all right, three, three birds, wow. one stone. Um, What's it called? It's called My Life. And it's, uh, I think he just released this. As a, I think it, it might have been a 50 Cent single. Um, and the guitar sounds kind of grimy, a little out of tune, kind of gnarly, you know. wonder if I can um, find it here. You probably can't find it on iTunes if you'd like. Let's take a listen. Okay.
sounds like a drum loop, but just attempting to sound like a real it's a drummer. Neat, it, yeah, it's kind of a neat vibe. I went from play filthy to filthy rich Man, they emotion shit, so I could never trust a bitch I tried to help niggas get on, they turned around and spit Right in my face Like acoustic drums, kind of, which is yeah, always sure. cool I, yeah. S1 is a real master of drum sounds The way he produces, yeah. pretty neat I love that style what, what was the part that you were playing, you remember? Yeah, I think so Uh... That was it. That's it. That's funny because a lot of the big pop producers and, you know, um, hip hop and whatever and just modern production in general, it's not like the old days where they really were spent a lot of time with guitar amps and miking and all yeah. that. Like sometimes you're just running direct even well, on a huge major label record. What did you do on that day? That day I ran direct. I mean, he put the tones and so I think so. There was even a part that where it's like. Or something like that, yeah. and I played it clean, direct, and it sounded as skanky as it did just then. And then he kind of. So then, he, was he throwing just amp models on I you? I think or it was Amplitude. Amplitude sounds great, it but was... now I bring my Kemper to the sessions with him because cool. it's you know, it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a great thing to have. But uh, but yeah, so I work with him a lot, and then you know, did did a fair amount of gospel work, and uh, I still am involved with a lot of local artists in, in Texas and stuff, which is cool. So. Yeah, how did you end up playing with, like, did you play on a Kirk Franklin song or something? I did. Something? I played on his last record. Yeah, he so just put out a record uh, called Losing My Religion, and that was fun. That was a good, good, good hang in did the studio. Did you do the, the whole record or something? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Let me hear some of that. What should I play? Uh, what's a good one? I, man, he's a, such a heavy. Let's check out Road Trip. One, okay. That's me singing tenor, too, by the way. Really? <laughs> are you the only tenor, or are you no. joining, joining a few tenors? Kirk was like, basically it was like whatever dudes were in the studio. It was me, uh, the two producers, Sean and Max, and I think maybe the engineer assistant. And none of us are really singers. Sean can kind of sing. Yeah. Sean can sing. But I can't sing. And he was like, get in the room and just scream, it's all right, like a bunch of dudes, like, you know, having a bro hang or something. And I was like, all right. So that's, that's me. And then four other guys. <laughs> These kind of sessions, sometimes it can be involved with, the, are there charts and everything? Or is no. it just, this, this is just throw down? Man, I haven't go. seen a chart on a gospel gig probably ever. Really? Yeah. It's Some just of them the are so elaborately arranged. I know. Uh, there's always a demo. Well, I should, yeah. There's usually a demo. Um, and, but the kind of the culture of the way that a lot of that works is guys just learn stuff by ear you know Which and that's kind of how snarky puppy does it now to be honest yeah um, and i'm a really poor reader anyway so i mean chords and stuff are fine but everything else i have to sit there with a you know really work it out um but yeah i mean with kirk stuff he would he would literally just play the track and i'd sit there and maybe scribble my own chart and then we and then we'd go for it you know it's the best way to learn that you really it's true it sticks in there if you well, then you're not playing from the chart. You're playing from your, you know, what you've internalized, I think, which is cool. Speaking of, like, these big gospel guitar things that are just so kick-ass, like, there's this one Israel Houghton thing. Oh, sure. Live in uh, South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> it does have some guitar rock stuff. He's got, you know... That's like yeah, one I of his that hits, song. you know. Yeah, That's a, that you Are Good. You yeah. hear that in churches all across the world every Sunday, probably. But yeah, you know he's got... And then there's another one uh, in We Have Overcome, which is pretty rocking. You know that one? Uh, yeah. Sort of, not, that actually that sounds like Stone Temple cool Pilots. it out if I you want that. you know it's cool man did you say the name of that one what was that it's called we have overcome oh yeah and yeah. i think that might be on the south africa record i'm not sure but yeah e gospel rock in the key of e that's great, <laughs> go for now, it that's still that pedal right the uh, that's dude. all still the dude i know talk about versatile yeah because you're running completely clean right now yep now show me that animal noise you were making earlier with the bar it's like jeff Becky, okay. you're kind of like flicking so your fingers on I, top of the it's an act it was it's an accident i think that I came up with it. But yeah, you have to set the bar so it's kind of parallel and then you just do this like two-handed little, two-fingered little tapping thing. And so you play yeah. a note. And then as you're tapping, you also have to push down on the bar. That sounds awkward. <laughs> yeah, you get that. Uh. Uh. That's cool. It's kind of get that bleeding animal sound, the bleeding Sounds of like, like a, a sheep or yeah, goat. <laughs> well, there's that one. That's a very popular one where you just bend it and sort of traumatize it, I guess. Yeah, get that little uh, gurgle. Steve Vai does it backwards, right? Doesn't he go like... Or something like where he whacks the bar behind the... Yeah, well, you know. Jeff Beck, it's the kind He's of... He's the, the greatest guitar player in the world to me. Yeah. He, I mean, he really kind of messed argue me with up. that. Yeah, I, exactly. Yes. Facts. I mean, it's like, you know, Brad Gillis will get that sound by yeah. banging on the body. He just bangs That's on nuts. here and gets the same warble. Does he go through lots of guitars doing no, that? No, he's been playing. He's uh, one of those guys that's been he's playing. He's had that same red one for like a century, right? Or something? Yeah. Right? Sort of his classic. Yeah. He has. I mean, he has a couple of copies and mm. stuff, so sometimes mm. you won't be able to tell if he's using one of his uh, stand-in stunt doubles. He's stunt, got, stunt guitars. He doesn't always bring it on every airplane. but Yeah, sure. Yeah. I need some That's stunt guitars. That's awesome. So let's see. Um, now, how do you end up getting so much sessions from, or from I mean, people don't think of Fort Worth. or and they're, and, Yeah, and oh. they're right. Um, how did it happen? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not playing on major label huge things every day. You know, like maybe some some other guys would in, in other cities or something, but but every now and then, you know, there's I mean the music community in Dallas is incredible, and people do pay attention to it, and there are some producers and some writers and some artists there that have connections outside of you know the DFW Metroplex, and and stuff happens there. There are a lot of dudes run around touring and doing cool stuff are actually from Dallas. They may not currently live there. Right. Some of them do, but. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's cool. I I I you know I've been there for twelve ish years, ten ten twelve years, um, and just never thought to leave. 
you know, there was tempting of maybe going to Nashville or something, and but you know, we settled down and we're cool. That's I good. get to play with all my friends every day, and they sound really awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So the joy of playing music is very much alive there for me. So feels good. But uh, yeah. Now, are you in LA now? You're in LA. Yeah, I've been How long here. have you been here? I feel like I just moved here nine months ago. It's been seven years. Oh, man. my gosh. It's crazy. And you yeah. were in, in the Bay Area before yeah, that? Yeah, I'm from the yeah. Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco. What's the scene like there, dude? Because I didn't really ever, I wasn't ever old enough to get into it, you know? I got you covered there. Okay. <laughs> like, well, you know, there was a great thrash funk kind of scene. Yeah. That was really about to blow up everyone people were getting like uh, major label deals cool and stuff that was something that was really special and then nirvana hit and then everything went to seattle ah. but there were some bands that made it through that scene but none of the real super funk ones but primus made it out of there yeah, yeah sure yeah faith no more like there's right. some cool bands that popped out it was that was to me was a really great era in some in, interesting stuff that came out of there yeah there's some bands called like fungo mungo and limbo maniacs Living Color kind of had that same kind of sound a little bit. Right. The funk they were was East Coast. a big rock guitar, but yeah. yeah, they were from the East Coast. The same era. All Fishbone, that shit was happening. Yeah, yeah Fishbone, all yeah. that shit. That was like real, that was happening in the Bay. Wow. Then there was the Acid Jazz. Okay. Cause I, Charlie I, Hunter and all that. Yeah, Charlie a, is a buddy, and I remember asking him about about that and he yeah he had the disposable heroes of hypocrisy or something and yeah tj kirk and some of the other oh yeah you should, charlie's a friend of mine too that guy's amazing he's just the deepest cat rhythmically too so. unreal well you sound wonderful man i'd love to hear you oh, play nice. like a something kind of melodic because we've been doing these little one chord funk jams well i'd like to play let's play some some changes or something pretty okay shit <laughs> One time through, yeah. I get it. All right.
I love it, man. Well, you know. It's got a Thanks, really, man. Really nice warm tone, but nice modern sound. Did you, oh, appreciate it. I was curious, did you use the Vertex Boost, too? Or mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, this boost is the is actually the... Um, this is the Pictronics right. Class A boost right. on this one, but I have the Vertex on my other board at home. This is cool, though, too. But, uh, yeah, Vertex is cool, man. I, I got that a little while ago, and it's cool, you know, because I'm not, like, a, into the cold, clean boost sound or whatever, but it does the job in that it just makes everything louder. Yeah, so. You're, it's nice with the volume, too. Yeah. Let's listen to one of your solo tunes now. Okay. Can we listen to a sneak peek of your something coming up? Or you want sure, to just put that's that in? fine. Yeah, you can. There is some funky stuff on there, like on the Goon Squad tune. Oh, I yeah, like thanks. the uh, there's some groove section. Tell me how you recorded this part. Okay. Bass drums were all live, and then we did a kind of scratch guitar track thing. And I went in and like fixed things, <laughs> you know, overdubbed. Um, but yeah, there's like there's the rhythm part. Uh, uh, two, three, and right. So I right. doubled that with a Telecaster, and then the melody is that crazy kind of thing. Awesome. And then how about that uh, the, that main lick part, the groove? The fourths. That was just, I was just vamping yeah. and improvising in between the melody. Yeah, so I what I wanted it to sound like is, because there's several guitars on the track, but I didn't want them to all kind of step on each other. So, so there's the stereo cleans that are doing the, you know, the... And then occasionally, you know, the prints. And they're all, like, matched stereo, so they're playing the exact same thing. And then I did one track... Of just the melody and then fills. So right. that's just those fourths um, in B flat. And I'm playing with my pick and basically I, just, I think I did that with just my fingers. A couple of, couple of thirds in there too. <laughs> yeah, probably. But they, they feel like... Sorry? They feel like fourths because we're just doing the one little one finger bar. Pick. Oh, yeah. I, I guess they are thirds. <laughs> they're, they're both... It's me. <laughs> No, what kind of rig did you use for that? It sounds uh, great. That's actually the Pure 64 and the Nailer stereo with a Rocket Pedals Guthrie Trap overdrive. Uh, yeah. Guthrie's a really great guitar player out of Nashville, and they yeah, gave him a signature yeah. pedal. So, yeah, it sounds awesome. That's one of my favorite pedals. Well, let me, let's jam on that for a second. Let me just that groove, I guess. Oh. Show me the bass line again. Sure, I will. So it's kind of, so it's in, it's in four, so it's like one, two, three, four. So it's kind of all about placement. So it plays it up an octave. Uh, yep. That's it. But I, I could. Two, three, and. Thank you. 
back to my the Prince thing, right? Yeah. Don't get me started on some Prince, man. I'll play. Right. <laughs> I love that shit. Dude, it's the best. What's your um, favorite Prince tune to play? I was rocking this the other day. Yeah. Is it in B or B flat? This is where I screwed this up. It's like, it's like in... Like F sharp minor, I guess? Right, so... Stuff, man. There's, sort of, so there's one yeah. song called Controversy. Yeah. Underrated. He's a funk orchestrator and underrated guitarist, man. I, he's he, one of my favorite guitar players ever. Yeah, he just you throws know. down. And then if you see him live, commanding a whole arena with me. Yeah. It's all about this riff, dude. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm going to mess it up. Bambi, you know that song? <laughs> no, that sounds great. Oh though. man, it's on uh, the the self titled one where he's like not wearing a shirt and he's yeah. standing. He's playing all the instruments. I know. I love that riff. <laughs> Awesome. Well, is there anything else that have we covered enough? We talked about a lot of stuff. Cool. Dude, it's been great. Man, thank you so much for uh, coming through. Man, thank dude, you, Jude. Mark in the house. This was a real pleasure, man. Absolutely. You're a deep cat, dude. Oh, thanks, buddy. You too. course what i was talking about at the beginning of this episode about buying a piece of gear because you love the way it sounded in someone else's hands of course you're not going to sound like that person once you get it i think my friend lauren lieber a very well-respected guitarist in the bay area lauren lieber wow amazing player i think lauren said it best one time he said you can't buy your way out of how you sound and it's true you're gonna sound like you if you've been playing a pv classic you know, little tube head, and you switch over to a $40,000 Dumble, you're still going to sound like you. And if Robin Ford or Larry Carlton switches over to your PV, they're still going to sound like them. Of course, there is that magic, though, that fairy dust when you get that new piece of gear that just kind of inspires you. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. But yeah, 
you know, we know, we all know, tone is in the fingers. I really hope you enjoyed the great tone that is in the fingers of Mark Letiri. What a great player. He's just totally doing it. You know, he is uh, hes kind of the prototype for the modern electric guitarist. He's got the cool band working. He's doing solo stuff on the side. He's doing videos and social media. All the stuff to keep himself working. And, to, you know, it's tough these days. And, and Mark is putting up the good fight, and he's super talented. Hope you took inspiration from that. Thanks again to Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com for supporting my podcast. This is No Guitar Is Safe. Guitar hangs with guitar heroes. Thanks again to Zoom for the H6 handy recorder. Couldn't do it without you. All right, Jude Gold signing off. Keep it alive till you're 95.